This is episode 34. Am I lonely or just alone? Hi, welcome to Beyond the Walls podcast. We're your hosts. I'm Ramika. And I'm Kylie. And yes, we're sisters. We're going to share stories about our life and growing up together and some personal walls we've overcome. We hope you laugh a lot. You honestly might cry a little. But our hope is that maybe you'll be inspired to go beyond the walls in your way too. So grab your coffee or tea and come on in. So our last episode we titled Do It Scared. And it really sparked a lot of great conversations between Rumika and I and felt like we just needed a whole series on doing it scared. Mm. And one of the big things that I think is very common in life is loneliness Mm. and being alone versus being lonely. We've also talked with you guys a lot about the concept of having a right conversation versus a real conversation, right? That's the difference between just surface, circumstantial, logistics, the business um, versus what's really going on. What's the fear, the unspoken emotions, the thoughts that are not just automatically present to us. And we want to really break down today the difference between lonely versus being alone. And we want to present the idea that alone is really dealing in the realm of the right conversation. It's the obvious thing. Are you with people or are you not with people? Are you married or are you single? Do you have a family? Or, you know, what's happening in your circumstances in life, that is going to be the right conversation. It's the obvious solution and problem. But we want to spend this episode really delving into the real conversation, which is loneliness. And I think it's a real thing. We can be surrounded by people and still feel lonely. I think for me, I spend a lot of my time alone. I'm physically alone. A lot of even creating content is something that I do by myself. Yeah. And so it can be interesting hearing feedback where I feel completely content and I'm also spending my week alone and I will do something like a spinoff episode. I call my series Living Single and Dating Myself. And I'm just like, I, I feel like I had the best day. Mm. Like, I'm like, it was so full. I feel so good. I feel like I also got so much done, but I did it by myself and I'll get comments from other people who are also single and going throughout their day by themselves. And they'll comment like, how do you deal with the loneliness? Mm. How do you deal with, you know, being alone all of the time? Like, do you enjoy it? Do you really enjoy it? Can you like give us the real? And I get the significance or the meaning behind the question, right? Mm. Like the sentiment there is more so like, you must be lonely because you're doing all of these Mm. things alone. Yeah. And I think that's why this is really an important conversation because what we're trying to make a distinction between is that I don't think that the two are even on the same plane. Yeah. I think they're completely different conversations. And if you stay in the, the realm of talking about what it means to be alone and, um, 
having like, what does it mean to be by myself and do things by myself throughout my day or to live my life single? And you make that mean that I I do feel lonely. Mm-hmm. I feel like that's a separate conversation because one is the mindset. The loneliness is the mindset. And being alone or doing it by myself is just physically what it is. It's just what's yeah. so. Yeah. And I personally have gone through seasons of feeling really lonely. And it's interesting, too, because I remember um, one of the the memories that is coming to mind is right after I graduated, right? So you guys know I'm adopted and I was adopted later on officially in life. So when I was 14 and I felt a lot of security, like there was a safety blanket in getting adopted at that point because mm-hmm. I was still a minor. Yeah. And so I knew that like, even if this family decided to reject me, which I didn't, I feared all the time, but I didn't actually think that that would come into being. I was like, even if that's the worst case scenario, like I'm a minor, so somebody has to step in, mm-hmm. whether that's the state or somebody else. Yeah. But there were times when I felt deep feelings of loneliness just for the sake of being adopted. Like, my biological family, like there were situations and circumstances that led me to be like living with a different family that I was not blood or biologically related to. And so for me, I've always feared being alone, Mm. but I haven't always felt lonely, but there have been times where I've been surrounded by people, whether that was my adoptive family when I was 14 or whether that was after I graduated and I was able to make a bunch of these friends during my college years, or even as a content creator, you know, you could say I have 300,000 eyes in in theory looking at me, right? Or caring about what's going on in my life. So at different stages, I've been surrounded by people. But I have definitely felt alone or lonely. So I have this memory right after I graduated high school. It was maybe like a couple weeks after graduation where I completely disassociated. Like I couldn't tell you Mm. verbatim what happened or how it happened, but I know high level what was going on now to be able to speak to it. But I had this moment right after I graduated where everything shifted for me. Like up until this point, I feared being alone, but I was able to rationalize that that wasn't maybe it wasn't a rational fear because Mm -hmm. at some point because i'm a minor somebody has to take over whether that's i end up going back to the situation with my biological family or the state is going to take over Mm -hmm. or maybe you know my adoptive family really won't get to that point where they're going to leave me and i'm going to be alone but as a minor i was able to have like the safety blanket or safety net of like yeah. i'm never actually going to be alone mm. right after i graduated that was a big point for me where i was just like my relationship with my adoptive family from here on out is no longer an obligation they haven't committed to the state anything i'm 18 yeah it's their choice whether or not they want to leave or not. 
And so I remember this huge blow up. Like I, I couldn't have spoken to it at the point of what was really going on. But I can tell you now that what I was actually fearing was I was going to end up alone because mm-hmm. nobody would willingly choose me. It's still in the right conversation, though, because my my right conversation was the fear of being alone. But the reason why I felt so lonely, the real conversation was because I didn't know that they would actually choose me. Yeah, I didn't believe it. And so if I only talk to them about, you know, I'm on my own, I'm in college and I need to get married or I need to surround myself with a bunch of friends or, you know, like all of these things, it would be the right solution to the right problem, Mm -hmm. right? I'm alone. So it only makes sense that the right solution then would be to surround myself with people. And that's what I did. Yeah. And I showed up there feeling lonelier than I'd ever felt. But the real conversation was, will people choose me? Am I able to be loved and have so many things that I still need to work through about my life? Yeah. And even with my adoptive family, like now that it's no longer an obligation, are you guys still going to choose me? Are you still committed to me? Mm -hmm. You know, like, what is this really? Yeah. And that would have been a real conversation, a real solution to a real problem. Yeah. I think in our ability or our inability to really bring the real conversation to other people, they don't know what's the real conversation either, right? Like, I don't know how much mom in that moment was able to even be present for herself to just know that that's what was going on, Mm. right? And so then you're both reacting to each other based on what's real. And I think actually I'll speak on mom's behalf at this time because we had a few conversations I remember and her feeling like, are you going to choose us? Mm. You now actually have a choice also. Mm. Neither one of you are under obligation. Yeah. And there was just as much fear on her part but both of you are just only know, only know to communicate the surface stuff, the practical stuff, the visible stuff, the logistics, right? Like the right conversation. But how long did it take? How many conversations till you guys could actually speak to the real conversation? I mean, it's painful. Having the right conversation might seem easier in the moment. But what it looked like was a very painful exchange, right? Like, I don't want you guys in my business anymore. I'm just going to pack all of my stuff. I'm ready to go tomorrow. Like, actually, you're late. (laughs) Yeah. I would have preferred you drop me off at college weeks back. I'm Mm -hmm. done. (laughs) I don't want to do this anymore. This is hard. What is hard? I did not label that for them. So they're thinking the relationship is hard. And I'm thinking the rejection is hard. Yeah. And then I I think even in that moment, I yelled at mom that I hated her mm. about something. Like it was heated, loud, and there were no punches that mm. were restrained. Yeah. <laughs> I threw everyone. It was a painful, right conversation. Yeah. Because technically I was going off to college. I was going to be on my own for the first time. And I was quite honestly a little annoyed with how involved they were 
mm. acting as parents in my life, right? Like mm. there were like those things happening. That yeah. was true. Yeah. But what was really, really going on was that I was afraid of being alone and, and mom was too. Yeah. She was afraid that I was going to leave her alone. Yeah. After I graduated. And from her perspective, I mean, just what you're sharing, you're like audibly telling her. Right. You're right. I am rejecting you. I do not have to be a part of this family anymore. I'm out. Yep. Peace. I, Ramika, approve this message. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Everything you think and you are fearing, I am saying is, is actually happening. Yeah. It's a painful conversation yeah. because it would have left me completely like at least I could have hid behind mm. my right reasons yeah it, it's so safe right like if you think about like if you just entertain my perspective at that time in my life and the maturity level that I had the capacity I hadn't gotten any counseling at this point in my life I really was just in the wild, wild west in my yeah. mind, right? And trying to like apply all of these coping mechanisms that worked for an eight-year-old, yeah. but no longer worked for an 18-year-old who was going to college. Yeah. I mean, in my shoes, it was like, they're going to reject me anyway. I need to prepare for the rejection. And I need to bring my own list of reasons why I should reject them. Yeah before that happens, right? So in my mind, it was just all I could have a conversation. Like I needed somebody else on the outside in, which is what did happen. Like my, our mom had to not only recognize and engage with the conversation that was legitimately happening, mm. but then choose to have a real conversation to get us from the right. Yeah. Every kid feels annoyed that their parents are parenting them and yeah. they they know that college is coming and so they're they're not going to have as many rules. Yeah. Every kid is afraid of leaving home. Like this isn't specific to you. Yeah. Because you are adopted not in a harsh way but in a like understanding like yeah. you're not crazy that yeah. this is hard. It's hard for every kid. Yeah. You know, like every kid is overwhelmed by the idea that the world is putting all of these pressures on what you should do and yeah. what you shouldn't be doing and what your life should look like and what you should be studying. And, you totally. know, like all of this pressure at an age that is very young. Yeah. So she had to engage with the conversation that was happening, even though it was right and not real. Yeah. And then she also had to see that there was a real issue to be able to change the questioning, to be able to change her approach so that I could also get on board with having a real conversation. I mean, her work was, she had a lot of work ahead of her. Yeah. I really am grateful to have the, the kind of mom that we have yeah. because that is what ended up needing to happen. And that is what's on the table for you if you're feeling lonely. Yeah. If you're stuck in having the right conversation and all you want to do is per, is present solutions to a right problem, then you will have a right conversation and provide right solutions to a right problem. Yeah. And the hard part is that you will never get to see a real solution 
for a real problem yeah. and be able to be seen for the real you yeah. and loved and seen and accepted for the real you. That's the cost. Yeah. And I think that's what I couldn't see. I didn't have the hindsight to see that, like, if I choose to stay in this right place because I am afraid that I am going to end up alone, whatever that meant for me at that point, then that I wasn't actually going to be acknowledged for who I really was and be chosen. Yeah. My real person was never going to be able to be chosen. Yeah. And that's really what I really wanted to have happen. Yeah. So if you don't have that person that's able to say, like, you're having the right conversation and you're providing right solutions for a right problem, we need to go and have a real conversation and start troubleshooting real solutions for yeah. a real problem, then you'll always stay stuck in this, this cycle. Yeah. And it's, it's painful and it's unhealthy in the best in the most gracious way possible yeah <laughs> right like I'm, yeah. I'm not saying this to to extend more judgment than you're already putting on yourself yeah i acknowledge that this space is tough and it is raw it yeah. is you are in rare form because it really does make you feel raw what i think we are saying is that there is a different way yeah yeah there's definitely another way what we keep trying to bring voice to that has brought so much healing to my life and i know to romika's life is being able to just intentionally take ownership of what we're actually saying to ourselves what we're actually holding ourselves accountable to and how we really connect with other people because i think even hearing you know your whole story right there's so much of you know we're talking about lonely and being alone and it's so easy to just interchange those words, right? Even mm -hmm. just grammatically, we use those words meaning different ways, right? But mm -hmm. we do, they are very different things, yeah. right? And so also just how easy it is for us to stay in the right. It's, it's just the easiest, it's the safest, it's the most obvious, it's the most outward too, right? Like that's something that you and mom could both see and both talk about. She can't predict your mind. She can't read your thoughts or your feelings, and you can't do the same for her. So until those real conversations, one, we have to recognize the real conversation to even have it. And then once we have it, we have to make the hard decision to be willing to put them on the outside. Mm -hmm. Then you have to be in a healthy enough, a safe enough of a relationship to have somebody who's willing to have that conversation with you. How do you leave room for your maturity level at the time, the other person's maturity level at the time, and to keep giving each other space and time? Because, and luckily that's what you've had. You know, when we look back on our lives, like we can see how healing is not instantaneous. It's not linear. It takes time and new things rise to the surface. But first things first. You know, we can't go deep until we can even just acknowledge the surface. Mm -hmm. I think of, you know, too, I really appreciate you making the distinction that this isn't, this isn't just an abusive person's situation that they have to deal with, mm -hmm. right? Like you don't have to deal with more things. Your things are different mm -hmm. than, you know, that wasn't my experience going off to college, but I still had to deal with 
how do I function and fit in with the family? How connected am I going to be? I can, I still deal with loneliness or being alone. Mm -hmm. It's not circumstantial. And I think that's, what's so challenging. If we don't intentionally take the time to separate those two, we will just get stuck in situations and the circumstances and blame our environment mm -hmm. and get stuck in that grass is greener mentality. Right. So even how we started the conversation, being married or not being married, being with people or not being with people, like just surrounding yourself with people does not guarantee that you won't be lonely. And like you're sharing, like just because you're physically alone does not guarantee that you're lonely either. I think for myself, I'm sure all of you that are married out there, you know, hearing Romika's sharing, like representing the singles, that's like, oh my gosh, like, I just wish I was married, then I wouldn't be lonely. And I'm like, I'm sure there's many of you out there that, whew, there are some lonely days being married. I spent so many years feeling lonely. So those of you that are blaming your circumstances or want to accuse your circumstances, I'm here to tell you it does not fix it. It doesn't go away. Every single one of us have to deal with loneliness, no matter what kind of a relationship we have or no matter what kind of people we have around us. I think for me, when I think about what it really means for me when I feel lonely is being seen and accepted. And the more seen I feel with somebody and the more accepted I am in what they're seeing, then the less lonely I feel. And it's really easy because I feel like I'm always surrounded by people physically. And so I don't necessarily ever wrestle so much with feeling physically alone, but it really hits me when we're just dealing with emotionally being alone. And so I think for me, right, like those lonely days in marriage, like you're not physically alone. You know, the women that can relate to those aspects in my marriage of feeling alone, it's purely the emotional connection that's feeling like, are you feeling seen? Are you feeling accepted? Are you feeling connected? And I think for Lee and I, for so many years, I think in the very beginning, you know, he's definitely that internal processor. He takes a really long time to process things. And I'm really loud and I'm very verbal and I'm, I bring a lot of what's happening to me internally on the outside. Right. But I think in those early years, he didn't quite know how to respond to me sometimes. And so I would internalize those ways that he would respond, which were generally more of like silence or just not as emotional or not as connected. He was having a hard time just expressing his own feelings. I think it made me feel less and less seen. And then it would cause a fight. And it was like the more that I shared, the less I felt heard. So I had a choice to make that that created even more isolation and even more loneliness for me, I think was then to avoid feeling lonely emotionally, let me just stop sharing more emotionally. Let me just, I'll keep showing up in the ways that I do feel seen, the ways that he does respond well. I'll keep showing up that way. You know, we were still physically present with each other. We were still physically doing things. Um, we never once went to the point of considering divorce. 
So I never was wrestling with those areas. And I know that that's, it is really hard and a very common thing for people to feel abandoned physically, right? Like an actual physical separation. Yeah. Um, and so I, I had all I could handle with just the emotional connection. I never even went to the physical <laughs> abandonment aspect of it. But so I just then kept coping and kept getting stuck in feeling trapped. of like, I don't know how to get beyond it. And so because I chose to cope by just cutting off more and more of the emotional connection, it got that much harder through some of those years to feel like I was actually not alone in the marriage. And I think through a lot of um, my own getting coaching and help and spending time taking personal responsibility for what the right conversations, what the real conversations actually were for myself, all by myself, right? Like I had to really start to own and take responsibility for what it was that I was telling myself and what I was actually feeling about things and then keep leaving space for me to grow and mature at the pace that I needed to and to let the people around me to mature at the pace that they could. And so, I mean, I'm super grateful for how much Lee and I have been able to grow through the years. And I think only now have we recently, have I been able to kind of start to really revisit kind of some of the consequences of those choices in the early years that I had just cut off so many parts. I wasn't upset about it. it. I wasn't bitter about it anymore. It wasn't even present to me that I wasn't necessarily feeling lonely, but I wasn't putting on the ability to share more with him. He was now ready to take on more, but I had spent so much time cutting those areas off. I didn't even know that I needed to share them with him. You know, I think if you've listened to other episodes, I was talking about like the sharing the burden of just my own emotional load, things that I'm anxious about or worried about that he doesn't need to fix. There's nothing he needs to do. It doesn't, it's not even like high level stuff, but it is just, man, like I'm not alone in this marriage. So why am I still behaving? Because I was behaving in a way that I was lonely. It automatically just guaranteed that I couldn't allow Lee to be there for me because he didn't know, right? When I'm talking about before of like, if we don't let those inside voices out, nobody even knows. Like he has no idea that I'm dealing with, you know, whatever I'm upset about or the emotional toll that I'm holding on to or feeling certain ways until I tell him he's not going to know that I, I need his support. And being able to give him a, a second opportunity now, whereas in the past, he might have verbally, audibly said, I can't help you with those. I get to give him another chance now. We are in a very different space where I can now go to him and say, hey, here's how I'm feeling. Are you available to support me now? I think when it became obvious for me that I was doing that, it also became obvious that those were ways that I had silently been building a record that I am lonely. And so if I don't give him the opportunity to even support me, then the conclusion is telling me silently, yeah, you're alone. You are alone in this. You're the only one that can do this. He doesn't care. He doesn't need to know. And that might have been true at one time. It may not have been true, actually, but he didn't know what to do. And I didn't know how to communicate it in a way that he could help me. 
but we're different people now. And so now I can communicate it in a way that is helpful and productive for both myself and for him to hear. And he's able to be there for me. Like, it's not fair for me to hold him not seeing me if I'm not willing to show him who I am. And I think that that can show up in a lot of areas too, whether it's just in friendships um, or family members, people that are, you want to be closer to, right? So even if you're not concerned about being physically alone, but you are feeling emotionally alone, then that's the place to go to start looking. Are you feeling free to show up and be seen? Are you willing and able to give them chances to show up for you and accept you? And that was a really hard space that can get really confusing between what's in my power, what's in my responsibility, and what do we do? How do we respond when other people do or do not reject us or do or do not accept what they are seeing from us? I like that point because what it really speaks to is when loneliness is the real issue, then fixing the problem of being physically alone will never truly satisfy whatever itch you have, right? Like loneliness is the real problem. Yeah. So trying to change your circumstances or the situation so that you're not physically alone is not the solution because being physically alone is not the problem. Yeah. Feeling lonely is. And the reason why it resonates so much with me, I think I speak on behalf of the people who are, you know, living life single. And when I hear that, what becomes really clear for me is if I don't, if I'm not willing to come head to head with the reasons that led me to feeling lonely, then that will follow me into any relationship, whether that be a spouse or whether that be a friendship. And it did. And for many years, it resulted in a codependent friendship that got really Mm -hmm. deep. And I knew if I didn't face that fear and start having some real conversations, I would only recreate codependent relationships going forward. Mm -hmm. And I would only find myself in a codependent marriage. And that's really what scared me. I think for so long, I thought that my fear was of physically being alone. And there's still parts of that that I have to revisit here, you know, time and time again. And I'm sure it'll continue to come up if I remain single, if that's Mm -hmm. my, my choice down the road. But I think for right now in this space, I don't fear physically being alone, but I do have to confront fears as they come up of Mm -hmm. why I feel lonely. And it really is on me. I like what you said, even in your marriage, like if I think before in the earlier part of the episode, I think I left you guys hanging with saying you need somebody that is able to come in and have a real conversation or transition Mm -hmm. you from the right to the real. And for me, that was the situation 
trauma doesn't help that because it becomes more complicated even to understand what's happening. Mm. But it can also be challenging if you don't have trauma to be able to identify what's actually going on. And sometimes it is helpful to have somebody who is able to be objective and take you from the right to the real. But where I left you hanging is that you needed a person to do that for you. Mm. And I think the real work happens when you're able to identify what's happening for yourself, because you might not be in a situation where somebody is able to take you you know, hold you by the hand and say, hey, this is where the right conversation ended and the real conversation needs to begin. This is what's really going on. I think we have the ability to help you. That's why we offer coaching. But there is a point where our goal is not, we want to create sustainable and present you with sustainable solutions, right? Like we're not going to be in your life until the end of time, right? So how do we help you identify what's actually going on in your life, be able to identify what's the right conversation, show you what a real conversation could look like, and then send you on your way to show up that way in all of your relationships going forward. We can be that. We offer that. Yeah. But the goal and the point of our coaching and the point of having this conversation is that at some point you're going to have to take the reins and you're going to have to be willing to do that for yourself, for yourself in your friendships, for yourself in your, your marriage, for yourself in your spiritual walk. Like it's a wholeness. You have to be willing to show up whole in every relationship in your life. And that's, a decision that you have to make. That's a decision that you have to feel empowered to do the work, to be able to uncover what's really going on. So if you need assistance, we can be here for you. Yeah. But if it's a matter of whether or not you want to, that's not something we can do for you. You have to decide that for yourself. Yeah. Real problems require real solutions so don't get stuck with the right one have the real one yeah i love what you said there because i think especially even deeper than that is loneliness is what we're afraid about even of ourselves right like if we can't even see ourselves first all by ourselves we will always be looking outward. And that's that's the rightness in when we're trying to fix loneliness is that if this other person sees me, then I won't be lonely. Mm-hmm. And I think before we can be concerned about what other people do or don't do, we have to be willing to see ourselves first. And that's the part that like it, you have to be fully on board to want to see yourself. Are you somebody who really wants to be seen and accepted? Do you see and accept yourself before you can have others see you and accept you? Thank you for joining us today. 
We'd love to work with you. If you're looking for additional coaching from us, you can log on to our website at beyondthewallspodcast.com and look at our membership for more information. Until next time. Bye.